Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Turning your attention tonight to the book of Jonah. Wow, what an incredible lesson. Last week, uh, Pastor Lopez walking us through who Jonah was and kind of anytime you get to teach about a guy ending up in the belly of a whale and talk about, I mean, I was tuning in and there were heads on posts. It got awkward. It was... uh... (laughs) My favorite part was when he said... If that's not gruesome, what aren't you telling us? Uh, and uh, that was so, so good, and we appreciate that, the differential between the allegorical interpretation and the realism of what took place, the historical interpretation and comparison from the book of Matthew and walking through Jonah. And I appreciate where we got to last week. I, I don't want, regardless of what I think, and I think that's what Jonah's teaching us at the inception here, Regardless of what I think is right and wrong, regardless of what you think is right and wrong, we've got to listen to the word of the Lord. Amen? We've we've got to listen. Jonah had some rights. I can't imagine in Jonah, Jonah being in today's day and age with everybody's rights. He had some rights to run, some arguments to run. But the word of God should usurp everything else. To be like the Lord. Amen. So in Jonah chapter 2, before you're, before you're seated, I just want to read uh, verse 1. That'll kind of launch us here. It starts with a great word. And I think we've talked about this grammatically sometimes. How many know that we throw away words Some of the wordsmiths in the room and any English majors in the room, it can really wear you out to hear a certain generation talk. I got on this kick a couple of maybe a month or two ago when I was utilizing the word like. (laughs) Sometimes things are so much like something you wonder what they are. When will it be the thing? Like dad, I like was like yesterday. Like we were like, I'm like, I don't like it. Start over. Put like on strike. But we don't want to skip over a big word that usually we do grammatically use as an introductory, but we just jump past it. That word is then. Then Jonah prayed. Then. We've all came to a then moment. And I know that we can just jump over it, but I don't want to jump over it because he is in the belly of that whale. He's in that fish's belly. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Lord, I believe you're going to help us here tonight. I think you have a a work that you want to accomplish and we want to be we want to be pleasing in your sight. I want to teach 
with wisdom and clarity under your anointing. I believe that you're trying to help us here on this, on this journey during this series. And so I pray that you would just bless the ears of the hearer and the hearts and the minds of the listeners tonight, but help me to say something worth listening to. I know your word is worth listening to, so maybe help me to display it in such a way that it's palatable, receivable, and uh, enjoyable. We ask it because we want to be like you, and we want to live your word. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Turn to your neighbor. Uh, you know I like to do this. My wife hates when I do this. I'm sorry. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you can't outrun God. You can't outrun God. You can't outrun God. I bet there's people all over this room tonight on this Wednesday evening Bible study. You could raise your hand and, because you know somebody trying to outrun God right now. Some of you wouldn't want to raise your hand because it's you, but you made it to Bible study. So we're glad you're here and so no one knows, but I think probably most everyone in this room knows somebody right now that has the call of God on their life in maybe a dramatic fashion, and they're trying to outrun God. Some of us are in this room right now, and we know that we were trying to outrun God, trying to do things our own way. I can tell you personally, in my younger years, I wanted to outrun the call of God. I've talked openly about this. I decided what I was going to do was chased my dream, my ambition, my career desire, and then I was going to let God have the preaching thing on the side. Wasn't that nice of me? Yeah. Pastor, were you in a whale's belly? No, but close. It felt that bad because being out of the will of God is a miserable feeling. And you can try to fake it with a smile, but you'll smell like seaweed and people will know it's just not the same. So I want to take a journey. We're going to do six major points through chapter two tonight. Um, this is a real turning point in this story, in this short book of Jonah. But chapter two is a chapter that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. And I want to take a, a little journey through this, okay? Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, his God, critical language, out of the fish's belly. We understand that what was taught to us last week in our journey through chapter one, there was dismay by these individuals. How many remember there was dismay when they found out what was wrong? Jonah even begins to dialogue with them and what should we do? And, and he says, throw me overboard. I don't know how any other guy feels in here, but if he would have told me that was the answer, I mean, I hate to think that I could so easily chuck him. What would my defense be? He said to throw him. Maybe I would have wanted to get him on my phone, record him telling. But what were they doing? The Bible says that they were trying to navigate that storm and they were throwing wares overboard. Does everybody remember this from chapter one? They're trying to lighten the load of the ship to understand uh, contextually what's taking place here. This boat 
has been paid by individuals to go from one location, A, to B. Not much different than the current shipping industry. And they are paid to get from A to B. And they are paid to carry cargo. It is not their cargo. It's what someone else has purchased, paid for, and is sending with them. They are a hired ship that is directing from A to B. And when Jonah is on their ship and the storm begins to rage, they begin to easily discard trying to navigate the storm easier. I want to pause here and make this point for every college student and every even seasoned member of the church. We better be very careful that in the tumultuous storms of life and in the church that we do not easily discard what previous individuals have purchased into because right now that the storms of rights are raging or the storms of identity are raging or the storms of modern beliefism and all of our social customs and while the storms are raging, we think, well, if we discard this, what we need to be more aware of is who's on our boat. Because <laughs> you might need to chuck him, not them. <laughs> you might need to get him Man, okay, I didn't feel like feeling a little preachy, but I do feel a little preachy. How many know that our college students need to learn at this age right now to evaluate who's on your life, who you're connected to? If you find out that every time you're with them is when you get in trouble, bring. Parents, we hold this incredible right to tell our parents, you can't hang out with them. Oh, I thought I'd get a bigger amen from the parents in this. Oh, pastor, I don't think we can do that anymore. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. Well, I don't, I don't want them to be mad at me. They're not your friend. They're your kid. They're your kid. It's okay to tell them, get Jonah off your boat. All right. So we get him. He's off the boat. The storm ceases. That would be a great, that's a, that's a picture that's never been painted. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see like just one of Jonah's feet sticking out of the water. The water's going still. Guys are in the boat looking at each other. Guess it was him all along. And then, in the belly of the whale, we know he ends up, Jonah prayed. First thing I want to talk about here is for verses 1 and verse 2, and then we'll use verse 2 again, because verse 2 says, and, and, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried, I, and thou heardest my voice, the belly of hell there can also be interpreted the belly of the grave, that he considered himself in the grave. Point one that I want to talk about here from verses one and two is sometimes affliction is self-induced. Sometimes We've got to be honest about this if we're going to be mature Christians. Sometimes affliction is self-induced. Not everything is hell's fault. Not everything is your boss's fault. Not everything is your husband's fault. 
Not everything is your husband's fault. Man, I feel a witness in that, that right there. I don't know where that's coming from. Not everything is your wife's fault. Not everything is your kid's fault. Not, and the lines go on and on and on and on. But the one that we blame more than he deserves credit for is the devil. Jonah, the devil didn't make you do this. You made you do this. Let me tell you something else that's not always at fault. Silly rules. Well, if, there, if you all weren't so legalistic, if you didn't have so many rules, if there weren't so many mandates, if there what, if there what, if there what, if there what, when the truth of the answer in Jonah's life and many times in ours is if we would just listen to God. If we would just listen to God, we would not be miserable. You and I both across this house, we often encounter individuals who are not currently happy. And the reason that they're really not happy is because they're really not in the will of God. Pastor Carson, what do you mean by that? Well, in case you're not with me, let me flesh this out just a little bit right now. When God is calling you to a deeper level of service, even if it's contrary to your ideology, and Jonah, contrary to you because of the, we, we talk about what Isaiah said last week and the Assyrians and the barbarous behavior and what's coming. But even if it's against what you have thought was correct, for you to be in peace in your spirit, you've got to listen and obey the will of God. So let me boil this down just a little bit more. Men and women of God, you cannot be in peace outside of a prayer life. You can't. We can't. We cannot be genuinely, we cannot have perfect peace and live a, a peaceful lifestyle without affliction if we are void of personal prayer. We talked about this last, last month in our January series, and I come back to it now. When we're in prayer, we hear from God. The danger of hearing from God is sometimes we hear from God. <laughs> That's the danger. Sometimes, God, give me a word. And then he gives us a word, and we're like, give me another word. Different word, somebody else, somewhere else, something else. Give me a different kind of word. But that's not, he's not giving a different word. He's, he's given you that word, Jonah, and you've got to choose whether or not you're obedient. And because he chose to run from God, he finds himself on a boat that he shouldn't have been in, in a storm that he shouldn't have lived through, in a situation where he's got to be cast out of areas he never should have been in. Being, listen, he's frustrating people he never should have been around. You'll find yourself unliked by people that are in your company because you can't even like you. How are they supposed to like you? I don't know why everybody's mean to me. You, you're grouchy. Because <laughs> you're not in the will of God. You're not doing what the Lord's called you to do. And so we're in, this, we're in this dark place with Jonah. And Jonah's in this dark place. How many would thank God with me, though, that even in self-induced affliction, we can pray? I bet I'm not the only one in a crowd this size that has ever got themselves in a pickle. I guess just me and Jonah, just you and me, buddy. Just you, me, and that whale. No, I bet there's hundreds of people in this room that could say, I don't really want anybody to know, 
but I took this wrong turn. I made this wrong decision. I made this bad investment. I, and I was in a dark place, and I felt like I was in the belly of hell. But I said, God, and he heard me. Woo! Thank God. So step one to self-induced affliction is identifying it as self-induced. Because until you are willing to take responsibility, it will be hard for God to take action. Those of you that take notes, that would be a good one. That would be a... If I'm not willing to take responsibility, it's like the... Let's put it in the physical relationship where it's the person who never thinks they're wrong. The people in here who think that could never be you, it's you. I don't even know. I don't identify with that. It's you. That's how it works. And so we have to understand. Once he identifies and can deal with it, he says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord out of the fish's belly and he said, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And what? Say it again. And he heard me. So let's go to our second point. Jonah 2, verses 2 through 6. He heard me out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods can pass me about all Thy billows and the waves passed over me. Then I said, I'm, I'm cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. I don't know how you look toward the temple at this point, but here we are. The waters can pass me about, even to my soul. You've got to catch the depth of his anguish. The depth closed around, uh, closed me round about. The weeds, I love this part, the weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. This goes big. Jo Jonah 2.6 is in touch with the creation of God. Back in the creation of God. The mountains that are hidden under the seas. The place he's actually talking about the contour of the earth with their bars was about me. Forever yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. I want to take these verses, two through six, and I want to talk to you and, and, and really talk to all of us in this room about what it means to have situational and directional prayer. And I know it's Wednesday night, but I'm going to tell everybody that is willing to hear me right now, and it might sound a little preachy, but I want you to hear me. You don't have to stay overwhelmed. You don't have to stay in despair. You don't have to stay beat down. You don't have to let, listen, situations of life can happen to us. People can make decisions that work against us. Uh, uh, choices can be made that adversely affect us. We can find ourselves at the bottom of despair. And if anybody was there, Jonah was there. But in that moment, he decided, I can either just die here or I can take this moment to pray in a new way. How many know that desperation will force you to pray in a, in a different way? 
It will cause a raw transparency to come upon you. There is no desire for eloquence. There is absolute transparency before the Lord. He just begins to talk about what he's feeling and what he's enduring. He's crying unto God from the belly of hell or the grave. He is in this deep and this dark torment, but he begins to think towards the temple. He, now I'm not going to focus on the, on the waves and I'm not going to focus on the sea and I'm not going to focus focus on the salt water. I'm not going to focus on the seaweeds around my, I'm going to focus on the fact that God, you're able. And, 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 and listen, as tenacious as that may sound every now and then we have to get so desperate with our prayer that we might as well pretend we're trapped in the belly of a well in the bottom of the ocean and just pray like we don't care who hears us. We pray like we don't care who, who, would, who would take offense to our prayers or would key in and kind of look at us and just pray like you're underwater. You ever play that game in the swimming pool when you were a kid like we did? We used to go underwater and we'd say stuff to each other and see if they could figure it out. Blah, 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 blah. Come up, my brother would say, did you say? No. Let's do it again. Almost never get it right. Can I tell you that even from the belly of a whale, God's ear was so finely tuned in. We can't get so high that we're beyond him or so low that we can't. What, what is the scripture? Even in hell, you could. And Jonah begins to cry unto the Lord. And here's a question for every one of us in the room. Is he still our Lord when our situation is overwhelming? For some people, he's more our Lord when our situation is overwhelming. But if we're not careful, there is this other side of the flesh that wants to make us when our situation gets overwhelming, we turn it to where God is not good all of a sudden. But God is good. And that's why the need to identify it as self, self-induced affliction. Something I brought upon myself. Life has put me here. Maybe I, I ran from the word of God. And so now I have to have some situational and directional prayer. Notice Jonah is not trying to get himself off the hook. Pun intended. He's dealing with where he's at. And thank God that he always hears prayer. God always hears prayer. So Jonah begins to pray from that belly. Now, read verse 7 with me. When my soul fainted within me, what did he say? I remember the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee in thine holy temple. When I fainted, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. So I'm taking us just on a little bit of a journey here tonight. Self-induced affliction, situational and directional prayer. And verse 3, to remembrance. I am a firm believer of this. Anytime a believer really begins to remember who God is, it will change, it will change your mindset regardless of location. It will, regardless of context, when you begin to remember, we know that the, the psalmist said it in, in Psalm 
73, Asaph, Asaph said, uh, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, my feet had well nigh slipped. And, and he goes on and he begins to talk about the blessings and the fatness of these individuals until I went into the sanctuary. Then I remembered their end. I started thinking about what they had ahead of them and yet what I have and the goodness of God. And every now and then, regardless of life, we have to remember, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm better than this. I'm stronger than this. I'm called to more than this. Not because of who I am, but because of who my God. Who my God is and what my God has for my life. So being called into remembrance is a good thing. I, I want to tell you, I, I said it earlier. I'm so thankful for your prayers for our family. Uh, situation that we're dealing with right now. My grandmother has been dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's for some period of time. And so uh, us going to visit with her, those that have dealt with this, this is a tragic disease. This is, uh, uh, and I don't mean, I, I'm not making light and I'm not looking for sympathy tonight. I'm just sharing with where we're at. I want to tell you memory's a powerful thing. Memory's a powerful thing. I can remember a, a year or so ago at, at what seemed like the height of this disease and, and her inability to even recognize certain individuals. And I, I, she's been such an amazing, amazing grandmother, always been strong, um, um, very tenacious. I, uh, we got some golfers here in the house. Maybe I've told this story before, but I can remember being in high school and I went and I, I couldn't wait because I played on the golf team and I was excited. This is going to sound like a weird statement, but I couldn't wait to beat my grandmother. It's going to beat her at golf. I was going to give her the beat down. It's weird, but it's, it's how I was feeling. Never forget, Brother Gallion, went play golf against her that day. She shot one under. Wore me out. I kept saying things like, but I'm, I'm hitting the ball a long ways, huh? I'm hitting the ball. She's always been strong and, and tenacious. And I remember a year or so ago, whatever it was, and we went and, 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 and people, she, could, she wanted to be able to remember, but couldn't really remember. And, and in that situation, but she sat down at that piano. Let somebody start singing an old hymn. Whew. Those keys begin to play. Begin to play about the amazing grace of God. Let one of those old hymns begin to be sung through the room. Oh, I want to see him. And those fingers, that, 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 that mouth that couldn't articulate something hidden down in that heart begin to remember. Whew. I'm telling you, just like that, there ought to be something that in us, even though the world may be dark and situations may be fuzzy, when we come into remembrance of the goodness of God, it ought to stir something and, and strike something among us. Oh, can I get a witness in this room tonight? He's a good God. He's a good God. And he's worth, he's worth remembering. And I, 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 I know, I know, I know that this might be said often, but, but I want to say it again. Every now and then we ought to shake ourselves and remind ourselves and remember if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here at all. I wouldn't have walked in here. I might be tired after three days of work. You might be saying to yourself, I'm a little weary in my body. But every now and then I shake myself and I remember I was on my way to hell though. And he found me and he... Some evangelist preached a revival that changed the trajectory of my family or some pastor loved my family into the... Sometimes from that dark place, I got to remember. And Jonah, Jonah's got us in this place where he's talking about remembrance. And I will tell you that remembrance stirs prayer. Whew. Remembrance. 
I'm so thankful to God for what happened here on Sunday night. I'm telling you, we've got more emails and calls about a prayer meeting than I think we have any service in the last year. Isn't it amazing when God's people pray? When we just remember that the most powerful thing we have is prayer. Amen. And so this, this remembrance takes him on. Read the very next verse with me, if you will. Verse 8 says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I want us to break this down just a little bit. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Jonah is attributed under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this moment where he writes in King James, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. What he's saying in our modern English, if, you, if I could break it down for you this way, is that resisting God is equal to idolatry. Resisting God is equal to idolatry. Idolatry. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be guilty of that. Wait a minute, I'm not setting up idols in my house. I, I'm not carrying idols or wearing idols around my, I, I don't want to, no, 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 no. He said, they that observe lying van, when you try to convince yourself outside of the will of God, your own will has become the idol. Your own vanity. Oh, God, help me. My own vanity has become it. And so I would take you to verse 8, and I would tell you that from remembrance, we should come to acknowledgement. I've said this before. I live by this principle. I believe that acknowledgement is the root of worship. If we will truly acknowledge him and recognize and believe. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this course on worldview right, right now at, at the college. And, and, and we'll teach tomorrow morning. I've got to teach on naturalism. Lord help us. Uh, and, and Marxism. And human secularism. And, and it's a real thing. It's a real, it's a real thing. But we that are people that believe in the beginning God. In the beginning God. That's our foundational stamp that everything is founded upon. And if I will let everything tie itself to that anchor, that everything starts in him, everything begins in him, everything comes from, everything ties back to the creation of God. If I will let everything tie back to that, it will lead me to this place where my remembrance brings me to acknowledgement. What must that acknowledgement be? Please hear me, saint of God, whether you are new to the Lord or whether you have been living for decades for the Lord, our acknowledgement must every single day that we're doing this right bring us back to a place where we tell him, you're the God of my life. You're the God of my steps. You're the God of... You're, we don't pray before meals because it's formality. How about something as reduced as that? We don't, we don't get up in the morning and say, Lord, I love you. I pray that you'd bless this day. We don't do that because it's our tradition. It's our way of starting the day before. I encourage people before you even read a text, don't even read a text message before you say, God, I love you. This is your day. 
Thank you for giving me one more day to draw breath into my lungs. And, and Jonah's in a place, belly of the well or not. Listen, Jonah should not be alive. And if he was an unmerciful God, as soon as he turned his back on the will of God, it should have been over. And God could have seemingly justifiably just wiped his hands clean of Jonah. But Jonah's in this place and he's gone through this understanding of self-affliction and, and kind of getting himself into this and working through prayer and directional. He's, he's come to remembrance and now he's in acknowledgement. And every one of us in this room, we've got to acknowledge he's God and I'm not. He's God and I'm not. And we could say, well, if he was God, I wouldn't be in this spot. But we've already identified it as self-induced affliction. And when you really begin to acknowledge God, please catch this. When you really begin to acknowledge God, you can begin to, you can begin to notify and, and recognize this whale is actually mercy. That's the smell of mercy. I got myself in the spot, and so I can't be mad about where I'm at. I ought to be delighted. He's still keeping me in spite, in spite of me, in spite of my decisions, in spite of the breakups and the losses and the hurts. And the I've... I've, I've I've had to over the years, every now and then, every now and then when I'm just having one of those days and the enemy's just kind of, you ever have one of those days where the enemy's just convincing you you're nobody and it seems like everything, every now and then I just do the out loud. I just step up, I square my shoulders and I out loud, I just say, I'm still here. And I, I would look like a madman. And maybe I do anyway. But sometimes I just preach to the devil. I'm still here. If you could have killed me, I'd be dead already. If you could have taken my mind, you would have taken it already. If you could have wrecked my family, you'd have... Whoa! Who else is thankful? You still... Jonah, you smell like fish, but you're still in the game. You're at the bottom of the sea, but you're still in the... Seaweed around the head, people that... But I'm still, I still got a chance. Still got a shot. And, 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 and still don't want to do what he wants me to do. But I got a shot. Brother Titus, last night our boys were down 20 to 6. 20 to 6, I wanted to throw a chair. For you. <laughs> but they just battled, didn't they? Just battled back. And really, I think they won the game. That's between you, me, and everyone else that was actually there. Lost by one point, I think, because they let the time go and didn't give us the buzzer beater. I'm, I'm not... I don't care in the grand scheme of things. I don't care. I'm not bitter. You know what I loved? I loved it 20 to 6. They didn't fight any less. Oh, that's a silly illustration. No, it's not. Because it gave me a chance. And it will give me a chance to continue to go and tell those boys the way you fought for that silly game of getting that ball through that hoop. 
You better fight for you better fight for your relationship with God like that. You better fight like that because the enemy will get you down and he will wear you out. But if you'll square your shoulders and you'll make up your mind, I might be down, but I am not out. I might be overwhelmed, but I am not abandoned. I'm still here. I'm still here. Still here. Read, read verse nine. I got to get done. Um, Verse 9 says, but I will what? I will sacrifice unto thee with what? Nobody gives thanks from that place. But remembrance leads to acknowledgement. And you can't begin to acknowledge him without getting thankful. Thanksgiving, step five. Everybody in the room. We've got to have it. We've got to have it. I'm telling you, Christians that are not thankful are not Christians. I want to just set the record clear. If you're an unthankful Christian, you're not a Christian. Christians are thankful. True believers and followers, we come into his presence. We get in the gates with Thanksgiving and praise is just a part of who we are. We just enter in thanking God. And my remembrance, Jonah said, my remembrance has brought me now to a place where I've got a voice of thanksgiving. And he begins to give thanksgiving unto the Lord. I will sacrifice unto thee. Jonah, why don't you wait until you're in a better place to sacrifice? If I'm in a better place, will it be sacrifice? It's like retired missionary Dan Scott. One time I was going up to give an emissions offering. This is a guy who left everything. Was pastor in a church of like 600 people in West Virginia. Built a brand new building. Just built his wife a brand new home. Got up for that 3 a.m. prayer meeting. And he said the wall fell out of the living room. And all he could see was those Ecuadorian people. He said dark faces everywhere. And the Lord said go to Ecuador. His wife was wishing he hadn't got up at 3 a.m. for prayer. And I was walking up to giving that offering that day. And Dan Scott, man who opened the entire country of Ecuador. If you see Ecuador now, it's a completely national. We don't even have, need missionaries there. It's one of the greatest revivals in the entire Pentecostal movement. I'm walking to give an offering. And he grabs me and says, hey, you know, Brother Carson, it's not really giving unless it's sacrificial. Um, do you want a car? Do you want my heart? I can give you a piece of liver. I don't. But we should evaluate. If it's comfortable, is it sacrifice? So what is a sacrifice of thanksgiving? What is that? What's that sacrifice unto him with that voice of thanksgiving? What is that sacrificial thanksgiving? It's when your flesh doesn't feel like being thankful, but your spirit, that soul he was talking about earlier, that's, man, it's, I'm consumed, this darkness, this place, but he's went through this place. He's got through remembrance and acknowledgement. And now all of a sudden he's got this voice of thanksgiving that's beginning to well up inside of him and beginning to move. This is the beautiful thing about God. 
that as far as you might get, when you begin to recognize, and somebody might be watching this online, whether it's live or down the road, and I feel this right now, and if you'll hear this, you, you, need, to, you need to know, you need to recognize this, that, that while you might have ran away, and the enemy tried to destroy you. You're still hearing this because of his mercy. And if you could get your acknowledgement to begin to say, it's been dark, but thank you. Thank you for, you know, sometimes it's a big step to just get those hands. Get those fingers up in the air and those hands and those arms outstretched again and say, but thank you. Sometimes you feel like you're pressing up against the inside of the anatomy of a whale. You just, you're, you're in a dark place and you're visually, but that spirit of thanksgiving. And he goes from acknowledgement to thanksgiving. And then in verse 10, and the Lord spake unto who? The fish, not Jonah. I think we miss this sometimes. The Lord can speak directly to your situation. The Lord can speak to the thing that's been holding you. Boy, if I was preaching, this would be a good preaching message because I feel. <laughs> There's people in this room, you need to hear me tonight. I know you just came for Bible study, but he can speak right to the thing that's been holding you. You've begun to acknowledge it's keeping you and it's the mercy of God. And the Lord spoke, the Lord spoke, the Lord spoke unto that fish. And the Bible says it. It's a gross word, but what did it do? Where? Dry land. While Jonah was going through these phases, please, please catch this. While Jonah is working through these phases, and he's getting all the way into acknowledgement and then into thanksgiving, by the time he gets into thanksgiving, when Jonah had begun to work through the process... God had put that whale on the move. His situation was changing before he even knew it. Anybody feel what I feel? I, I feel something in this room tonight. I feel the presence of God. I feel like I got a word for somebody in this house tonight. Your, your, your situation's ready to change and you don't even know it yet. He's, he's already got that fish moving. Man, I know some people in this room praying for some big things. and I'm trying to be careful right now. I feel like just telling some people directly things are about to turn. I need you to lift your hands with me in the room. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Man, I feel supernatural deliverance right now. You've been praying for a breakthrough, and I feel it. I feel it in this room. My God. Come on, that fish is swimming. That whale's moving. Your situation's on the move. I need you to know if you'll begin to acknowledge him and begin to thank him. Oh. Oh, pastor, you just want to excite us. You stay on the bottom of the sea if you want to. But anybody that wants to hear it, I'm telling you, I feel the... 
I feel the word of the Lord for somebody right here tonight. God, I'm sorry I got myself in this mess, but I remember that you're good, and I remember that you're able. I acknowledge that it's you and you alone that are able, and I worship you, and I want you to know I got, I got a voice of thanksgiving on this Wednesday night. I got a voice of thanksgiving on this. Thanks for being a good God. Thanks for being merciful. Thanks for being loving. Thanks for being kind. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've preached about this before. I teach about it tonight. I'm going to teach about it again. I, 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 you can't stand with me. You, 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 you. I'm a believer in this. You can't outrun the grace of God as long as you're willing. As long as you're willing to just turn and say, wait a minute. I did this, but he's still God. I shouldn't have any lung breath left to be able to get this out, but since I do, I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to worship him. Man, I'm talking to somebody for your family tonight. I, I know you feel it. They're going to come through this. Ah. Put prayer in their mouth. Put remembrance in their spirit. Put acknowledgement and thanksgiving in their tongue. We want to see them dancing in these altars. God. God. Mm. Help us. Lord, we thank you. Maybe we just do that together as a body. Let's just thank God. Let's just try to get every voice lifted in thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you. Everything might not be perfect, but thank you. Thanks for my family. Thanks for my home. Thanks for this call. Thank you that you're a forgiving God. Thanks that you're a God of grace and mercy. You wouldn't have to be. Thanks for loving me in spite of me. Thanks for caring for me and keeping me. Thanks for drawing me close again and again and again. Thanks for sustaining and guarding and helping. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for baptism in the name of Jesus. Thank you for that plan of salvation. Thanks for being a friend that's closer than a brother. When my family walked away, you were there. When my friends betrayed, you were there. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, somebody lift your voice and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, give us a spirit of thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My, my, my. Oh, I'm thankful for what I feel in this house. Thank God for a church where we can worship. Thank God for a name that's above every name. Thank God that we feel it. You know, he wouldn't have to let us feel it, but we feel his presence. 
Thank God that I can still leap and shout and worship. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's be thankful. Let's be thankful. He's a good God. Amen. God bless you. Woo. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful night, wonderful rest of your week.